Welcome to the Nova Church's podcast. We are a vibrant, dynamic, multicultural church in Alexandria, Virginia. Join us at 11 a.m. on Sundays. For more information, go to www.thenovachurch.com. We're excited to share this week's message with you. God bless. Recovering from April Insanity, which uh, is a youth lock-in. And someone said, a youth lock-in doesn't sound fun. I said, that's because they're really locking in the adults. <laughs> it's not really for the teenagers. They're locking us in with all those crazy people. And uh, so Friday night, Saturday, thankful to our great staff that came from our church. We had a great, great turnout through all of Virginia. And uh, I got two hours of sleep on Friday night this Saturday. And so that is uh, well past my, my norm and uh, way, way, way. So, so we're going to have a good time today. Turn to somebody and say, that means pastor could say whatever. Turn to somebody else who says, this could be an unfiltered pastor today. Amen. 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 If you've got 1 Kings 18, turn to verse 41. I want to preach to you today on a word that this is going to be a setup for next week. Um, So I'm going to just get this out of the way. This is what we call a first part of a multi-parter. And uh, I'm going to encourage you, do not miss next week. I'm just going to tell you that right now. And uh, you're going to see why in just a moment. Um, 1 Kings 18, starting in verse 41. The Bible says, and Elisha said to Ahab, go up. Eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain, in the English Standard Version, verse 42. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elisha went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now and look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. He said, go again. Seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up and say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in the little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Um, I am going to preach to you on the subject of prayer. Now, again, it could be unfiltered pastor, but I'm going to title this, Throw Your Prayers in the Airs. And that is very intentional with my rhyming there for those of you that are impressed. For those of you that are not impressed with Throw Your Prayers in the Airs, the second title for those of you that are more formal what in the prayer? Is that what we're going to preach about today? Turn to somebody and tell them one of those two fun titles. And uh, I know you're going to love one of those. And then you may be seated. You can either tell somebody, throw your prayers in the airs. Or what in the prayer? <clears throat> and so now you understand 
This could be a very fun message. Buckle up. Um, but I do want to say this before I dive into this. It's very, very important that you are here next week for this message is I'm going to teach on how to pray through the tabernacle. And it's going to be a life-changing uh, opportunity for you to learn how to pray the tabernacle. Now, if you've never prayed the tabernacle or you don't actively pray the tabernacle, it's going to be astounding. And so you may say, I don't even know what you're talking about. But that's why we're going to start today with throw your prayers in the air. So let's dive in. <clears throat> in the standard eyes, my wife did formally announce against that title, by the way. Nevertheless, so that's on me. Uh, in standardized tests, uh, math tests, Japanese children consistently score higher than their American counterparts. And I've used this illustration before, but while some may assume that a natural proclivity towards mathematics in the primary difference, researchers have discovered that it may have more to do with effort than ability. In one study involving first graders, students were given a very difficult puzzle to solve. The researchers weren't interested in whether or not the children could solve the puzzle. They simply wanted to know how long they would try before they gave up. So the American children lasted on average 9.47 minutes. The Japanese children lasted 13.93 minutes. In other words, their Japanese children, the Japanese children tried 47% longer than the same test group in America. And this happened over and over in their experience. And is it any wonder why they could score higher on their math exams? Researchers concluded that the difference in math scores might have less to do with maybe intelligence and more to do with a persistence. The Japanese first graders simply tried harder. And the study not only explained the difference in the standardized math scores, but the implications are really true often to whoever may apply. It doesn't matter whether you're in athletics or academics or music or math. What we understand is there are no shortcuts. Somebody say amen. There are no substitutes. And success is often a derivative of persistence. So the question we must ask ourselves today, is prayer any different? I believe that there is a power in persistence. Somebody say amen. I believe that there's a great power in persistence. I believe we ought to be persistent all the time. In fact, one of my favorite quotes, I have a long-standing email, and I don't want to mess this up. I have a long-standing email in my inbox. It has been in my inbox since 2011. It is the only email that is older than this year and current day in any of my emails. And this email has lasted all eight years in my inbox. And it's simply one quote. And it says this. It's the perseverance lesson. And it said, I'm convinced that about half of what separates successful entrepreneurs from non-successful ones is pure perseverance by the one and only Steve Jobs. He said, I'm convinced half of the difference between success is how they persevere, how persistent they may be. I believe that same thing applies to our walk with God. 
that sometimes it comes down to not who's uh, the most talented or not who God's called or who's got the greatest anointing on their life. I don't believe that necessarily that determines whether someone sticks or not. A lot of times how people last in their walk with God is simply a persistence issue. Are they going to stick with it in good and in bad, in up and in down, in mountain and in valley? Are they going to follow the Lord in good and in bad, in circumstances or not, are they going to follow the Lord? It's a persistence issue. Oftentimes the power of our prayer life comes down to persistence. Now, today I hope you're taking notes because I've got some things I want to lay as a foundation for prayer. The, prayer. the power of persistent prayer is something that we must understand is a mindset that we have to have is that I want to pray over and over. I would wonder if we were to take an anonymous survey this morning of how many minutes you pray to the Lord. Maybe on a week, if you were to combine all that up, what would that be in your walk with God? I'm not going to ask you to say that, but I just want you to take a moment and think, this past week, how many minutes did I spend with the Lord? Yeah, I'm giving you a moment to think about that. Go ahead. That's not silence for dramatic and preaching, right, Brother Tavares? I want you to think, how many minutes did I spend this week with God? Think about it. Get a number in your head. Maybe how many minutes have I spent even in the month of April? Has this week been a really good week, but maybe last week it was a little less? But you think about that for a second, because I'm going somewhere with this. It's interesting that everybody says... Prayer is important. Everybody say amen. Amen. If you don't say, you know, if everybody says amen, you'll ever think you're a good prayer warrior this morning, right? This is a good time to just amen, pastor, just because, right? Now, watch this. Everybody believes prayer is important. Say amen. amen. Now, everybody believes God answers prayer. Say amen. amen. Right. So we believe in that. That's why we pray to open our service. That's why we pray in the middle of service. That's why we pray at the end of service, right? Lots of prayer around here, right? We even have pre-service prayer, right? Sister Melissa, uh, we have First Friday prayer. Lots of prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. We are a praying church. Somebody say amen. But the power of persistent prayer is, is God, I want to be persistent in my prayers. Now, uh, in Israel, when I was in the nation of Israel earlier this year, I heard a very interesting statement. I must have heard it about 20 times. And the statement was this, water is life. And they said that over and over, water's life, water's life. They talked a lot about how their resource of waters, why water is so significant, why this thing is strategically placed. When we were on the Sea of Galilee, how important the water resource was to the entire nation and how it was down four feet from where it should have been. And they were saying, we need rain to fill this back up because water is life. In our text this morning, in 1 Kings chapter 18, we read that text, but the Bible is talking about a drought. And for three long years in 1 Kings chapter 18, we find that there is no water in Israel. Can you imagine no rain for three years? What the vegetation would be like, how, what the crops would be like, how the crisis would happen. Even in our country, no rain for three years would be crazy, even in the midst of modern technology, because you need water. Water is life. And so we find that the Lord stops the water for the nation of Israel because they've 
turn their hearts. And if you read 1 Kings 16 and 1 Kings 17, I'm going to lay a background and kind of paint the picture of why this text is so important. Because the nation of Israel has turned to these idols. And they've gone down this path and they're following uh, Jezebel and they're worshiping false gods. They've turned away. They've turned their back on God. They've decided we're just going to worship whoever and however. And it doesn't matter what we do and it doesn't matter all those things. And so they begin to turn their back on God. God begins to cause a drought and then enter our hero, Elijah, right? This is better than the Avengers for some of y'all, right? Now watch this. So as Elijah comes through, hashtag there will be no spoilers during this sermon. Uh, thank God, right? Now watch this. So Elijah comes through and we know how this works. Is Now Elijah is sitting there. And, and the Lord promises Elijah that, that hey, something's going to happen. Uh, and, and they have this amazing experience on Mount Carmel. And, and, and with the God uh, sends fire down and demonstrates that he is God and not these false gods and not Baal. And, and we find that the Lord promises Elijah that he would send rain. The promise was given, I'm going to send rain. But we see, that like every promise, Elisha had to claim it via persistent prayer. Hold on, somebody. I'm going to go somewhere now. Buckle up right here. Let me pause for a moment and tell you that we need to pray bold prayers if we're going to get the promises that God has called us to. God gave the promise to Elisha, but Elisha still had to pray the promise to get it to happen. See, that's what we miss sometimes. We believe God's promises for our life, but we don't pray the promises. So therefore, we have promises that are just hanging out there waiting to be claimed and waiting to be implemented and waiting to be grasped. Instead, God's saying, if you will pray the promise, then pray some bold prayers, you'd be amazed at what's going to happen. Hear me today. Feeling does not determine the level of your walk with God. I'm glad I got three people say amen to that. Your feelings shouldn't determine your walk with God. People say, I feel this way. That's a bunch of malarkey. The problem is, is this, and that's a, that's a good PG rated word, right? I told you, pastor's not filtered. He's not on a lot of sleep this morning. And I had a venti coffee, right? Sister Poe is yelling at me at Starbucks. What are you doing here? This is her fault, right? I should have got two. Now watch this. The reality of it is, is when people go by their feelings, they're foolish. Because feelings don't always dictate what happens. If you allow feelings to operate in your life, you'll be broke, divorced, and living under some bridge somewhere. Why? What do you mean, pastor? Well, there's times I feel like buying a Tesla. That doesn't mean I should do it. You ever walk down the mall and say, I want that? Just because you feel something doesn't mean you should do it. When you walk to a buffet, you shouldn't be like, yeah, rah, 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 right? There's times I walk down cold zone and I'm like, give me, uh, wait, it's like it, love it, more of it. Give me some more of it, right? Y'all never been to cold zone, don't know the flavors there? Good, stay away. It's dangerous, folks. Like a million calories, right? We're like, I don't need the little size. Give me more ice cream, right? Why? If you go by feelings, it will deceive you. The same thing in your walk with That's why people say, oh, I, I don't feel like I'm in love with him. You're a fool. Feelings
things don't determine that. There's principles and things that you do. You can go in or out of those things. And the same thing happens is that's where we have people that fall away from God because they follow feelings. Feelings can't determine your walk with God. Feelings can't determine whether you're supposed to read your Bible. Feelings should determine whether you show up to church on Sunday. You all are here, so you should clap your hands on that, right? That's an easy, low-hanging fruit. I agree with that. Pastor, I'm here. Right? So people woke up this morning and said, oh, it's overcast and looks like there's some rain and the temperature. They said, Alexa, what's the temperature this morning? What's the weather outside? And says, it's about to rain. They said, I'm not going to church today. What? You must be crazy. Feelings can't determine our walk with God. And actually, uh, Brother David brought a really good point up in groups this week when we were talking about groups and, and, and the controlling the tongue. Fantastic group. And he brought up this great scripture in Jeremiah. Now, I am way off my notes, so I'm just swimming out here by myself. Someone needs to throw me a life raft to get me back where we need to go. But since I'm here, let me swim a little further, right? It's like Dory. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Who knows where we end up, but let's find out. Watch this. The problem is, is the Bible says that your heart, it will deceive you because no one and knows heart. So the problem is if you follow your heart and how you feel, then you'll just be all over the place. That's why the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The heart, when you speak those words, it's an indicator of what's in the heart. You got to be careful because the heart will deceive you. And that's why we have to be careful. If you have your prayer life based on how you feel, you'll never pray. Or you'll only pray when you need something. You'll only pray when you're in a crisis. Can I get a win? When you got a bunch of drama in your life, all of a sudden that's when you're going to be praying, right? So say, God, help me get out of this. My car broke down. All of a sudden I lost my job. All of a sudden I'm in big trouble. Help me, God. Isn't it amazing that some people only live their Christianity in crisis? Mm, help me, somebody. Let me give you a good piece of advice. Live your walk with God not in a crisis, and maybe God won't have to put you in a crisis all the time. Mm, that's good preaching up in here. I know I'm good, right? Okay, more coffee. Somebody hit me with another round of uh, Vente uh, with a shot of espresso. Now watch this. Now here, here's the key. We can't allow feelings to determine our prayer life. We can't allow that because we allow our flesh to lead spirit. That which is spirit is spirit. And that which is flesh is flesh. Flesh will always fight spirit. Flesh will always fight spiritual things. When people say, I don't want to do that spiritual thing, often it's a result of flesh. Even Jesus dealt with flesh. What do you mean, pastor? Remember the Garden of Gethsemane? We talked about it a couple weeks ago. talked about it a few weeks before that. Watch when he said, Lord, take this cup from me. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. What are you saying? He's fighting flesh versus spirit. Now, feeling does not determine the walk with God. Feelings do not determine our level of prayer. Therefore, no matter what it looks like, pray. No matter what people say, we need to pray. No matter who gives up, we need to pray on. No matter who shows up, you need to keep praying. No matter what crisis happens, you want to continue to pray. It starts with a made-up mind that my prayers are powerful and my prayers can make a difference. Somebody shout amen. There's a power in the spoken word. And now, now, now since I'm going here, let me just say this. Prayer is not confined to a place or space to impact things. Prayer is not confined to four walls or a physical location. What do you mean? When we come to pray at the altar, 
Your prayers right here can impact countries far away. People in, in places that are there. You can begin to make a prayer here. And it's not confined to a building. It's not confined to a house. If we could ever get a clear power of prayer, we would start to pray bold prayers. Oftentimes, we don't pray the prayers because we often think of our little space. Well, God, maybe if I see them, I'll pray for them. Perhaps could it be that we just need to pray the prayer? God, touch my friend. Touch my friend on the other side of the country. Touch my friend that's going right now. God, begin to move in them right there in that hospital, Lord. God, you can begin to. Is God not big enough that he could do that? So the question is, why do we not pray big, bold prayers? Oh, see, I'm going to open your business today. I thought prayer is an easy one. I thought they'd be shouting with me today, right? Robert, they ain't getting no amens up in here. This should be an easy one, right? Man. Whew. All right, continue on. All right, I'll preach on, pastor. Preach on. Okay, here we go. Prayer. This is, the, this is the part of the fallacies of prayer. Now watch this. If we don't get these principles today, the problem is, is next week when I teach you about the tabernacle plan of how to pray through the tabernacle plan, you're just going to be like, oh, that's cute. That's cool. But if we actually start to pray big prayers, then we'll see things happen. Then God can begin to move. So prevailing prayer is not constrained, right? Prevailing prayer is not tied. It's, it's, it's sometimes like we are bound by this idea that I've got to physically be in a place with a person to pray for them. You can pray for people no matter where you are. You need to be like uh, Taylor Swift and like shake that idea off, right? Prayer is not uh, confined to something. We aren't bound by any limits of this thing. God is bigger. He can do whatever he wants. Therefore, we've got to shake off this lack of inefficiency. Like the children of Israel. It's a mindset. When the children of Israel went to go proclaim their promise, watch what happens. God told them, I'm going to give you the promised land. Right? They go and inspect it. And their report was, they're like giants, and we're like grasshoppers. Therefore, because of their mindset, they were intimidated into inefficiency. Or ready for this? They were intimidated into inactivity. Could it be, of course, not anybody in this room, probably those people that are backslidden sleeping at home right now. Could it be, that was just a joke, could it be, that perhaps the reason we are inactive or inefficient at prayer is because we have an insignificant view of what he can do or what I can do through prayer. Ooh, come on, somebody. Therefore, this is what we have to understand. The devil wants to intimidate you and to distract you. He wants you to operate by those feelings because prayer is powerful. And instead of being steadfast, we settle. And we cannot settle for less than God's best. So how do, we, how, how do we be steadfast? Are you ready? Take notes real quick. Pray seven things. When you say, I need things to pray for. We need to pray for the lost. You need to pray for your family. You need to pray for your future. You need to pray for your church. Pray for your pastor. Somebody say amen. Pray for God to use you. you we ought to pray for people who have fallen away from God. We ought to pray that God would help people that are grieving, right? So, so there's lots of things that we can pray, but hold on, hang on. We're going to go a little further. Now, Elisha climbs to the top of Mount Carmel, and he falls on his face, and he prays for rain. 
And six times he tells his servant to look toward the sea. But there was no sign of rain. There's nothing happening there. Now, Tavares, come here for a second. You're going to be my, uh, you're going to be my, uh, my guy. Look at this guy. Come on over here. Look at this guy. I won't be too harsh on you. Don't worry. Good, good. Okay. Here we have. Get the picture. They're on the mountain. And as they're praying, God gave them the promise. And Elijah says to his servant, go and look and see if there's rain. So he goes and runs and touches the wall. And he looks. You realize I'm doing this like seven times, right? Isn't that great? Now come on back. Yeah. <laughs> and he comes back with the report and he says, there's no rain. Now watch this. What does Elijah do? Elijah is praying. Elijah is literally, and get the picture, he's on top of the mountain. He's kneeling down. And he says, go look again. And he's praying. Understand, this isn't like he's sitting like in this close proximity. He's on top of a mountain, folks, right? And he's praying. And what's fascinating is, is he had to go tell the servant. The servant comes back and says, okay. And then he does it again. So he goes times two, times three, times four, times five. And he comes back. Now, can you pause for a second? Elisha is in intercession here. God didn't tell him how many times to pray. He just kept praying. He was persistent. He didn't care what it looked like. He didn't care about the report. The, as the servant comes back, he keeps saying, still no rain. At what point is the servant going, how many times is he going to make me do this? The guy has done lost his mind. He's crazy. Could it be that sometimes God operates outside our protocol and our preference? And therefore, if we decide to put God in a box of how we think he should operate, we can miss our miracle because we say, well, I did it two times and God has an answer. Therefore, I'm going to wander on off. Again, it goes back to the feeling. It's a crazy mindset. That's why we've got to get this, folks, because sometimes the power of persistent prayer is continually going. And I'm sure that servant was thinking, this guy, how many times is he going to make me do this journey? And finally, thank you, Brother Tavares. Thank you. As, he, as, as he's going over and over, we, we have to understand. That, that as he's moving, there's no sign of rain and there's no progress and there's nothing moving towards the right direction. But he continually goes. And most of us possibly could have given up. But here's the issue. Sometimes we give up and we stop praying because we can't see any tangible difference with our natural eyes. And therefore we'll pray a prayer and say, I prayed it, okay. Well, I prayed my one prayer, God, save such and such, I'm good. And then we stop. Because we expect, boom, it to be done. We're like genie of the lamp, right? Genie of the lamp, not the new one with Will Smith, the good one, right? Robin Williams, right? Genie of the lamp, when he pops out of the, the genie, you know what he says? I always say this, I love to say this, right? He pops out of the genie, he's like, boom, what do you need? Boom, what do you need? Boom, what do you need? That's how I feel like sometimes the ministry is. Boom, what do you need? Boom, what do you need? Okay, nevertheless, that was a good joke. You guys have no humor this morning. They need some coffee too. Someone get them. Now watch, watch. The problem is, is we say it one time, think, okay, it should be done. Because we don't see tangible progress in the natural, we like to give up. And we allow circumstances, catch this, to get between God and us. Instead of putting God between us and our circumstances. And when we understand God's between us, 
we just keep going to the middleman. Instead, we like to think the circumstances is the middle thing. Well, I pray for the circumstance, and there it is. It should be done. No. God says, hey, continue to do that. Now, where's the Bible for this? Here's the principle of today. You should write this down. Pray the promise, not just the problem. Because we often like to pray the problem, not the promise. And because we like to pray the problem, which a it's, it's usually a couple sentences. So it usually goes, God, I'm in a really big mess because this situation, get me out. Thanks, hashtag your friend. Right? Our, our, our prayers have become like Twitter characters, right? I don't know if it's like 140 or 280 or whatever they do nowadays. But they're like short little status updates to God. Yo, God, I need a, I need a new gig. Help me out. My boss is making me really mad. Thanks a lot, your boy. That's how we pray. We like to pray the problem, not the promise. And when we start to pray the promises of God, not the problems, we'll start to see things happen. Catch this today, somebody. We've got to understand the difference of praying the promises. Now listen, this is the most applicable prayer-changing thing you'll find in your life. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and 20. What does the Bible say? For all the promises of God... Find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. 2 Corinthians 1.20. What does that mean? There's a power in praying the promises of God. That's why it's important to memorize the word of God. That's why it's important to pray the word of God. Because God operates by the promises of God. What does that look like? Sometimes you got to open your Bible and start to pray the word of God. In Psalms, an example would be like Psalms 37. A prayer would be to open your Bible and to say, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. But trust in the Lord and do good. God, I'm trusting in you today. That's an example of a prayer, somebody saying, God, I know that these people are against me. I know that my coworkers talking bad about me. I know they're gossiping behind me and they're slandering. But God, I trust in you today to do good. And God, I'm going to dwell in the land. And God, I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. And God, you will give the desires of your heart. The Bible says, commit your way to the Lord and trust in him and he will act. That's a prayer that somebody should pray. God, I trust in you. I commit to you and you're going to act because it's a promise, not just the problem. You will find powerful prayers when we start to pray the promises and not the problems. Oh, see, I'm all up in your business today. Here we go. Let's go on. I'm almost done. When we start to pray the promise and not just the problem, we'll see things happen. When we start to pray and say, God, you know my kids are struggling, but I know that you're faithful. And then you quote a verse. See, you would be amazed when we start to quote the promises. God knows the problems. And he's given us the promises. So why don't those things happen? Because we don't pray the promises. And we just say, God, we expect you to do it. What if Elisha would have never prayed? Ooh. What if those things happen? Uh, let me come back to that for a second. We need to pray. We need to pray the word of God and the promises of God. God, you know my friend is lost, but Lord, it's not your will that any should perish. Help them today. 
God, you know my friend is struggling with temptation and they're making wrong decisions. Direct their path, order their steps, get them out of that situation. Catch this, somebody. We've got to listen to this. If you haven't taken any notes, you ought to pull out your phone right now. You ought to pull out something, pull out a pen, write this on your hand. I want you to catch this. Listen to this. This is super important. It's going to change your entire prayer life. And I want you to catch this because I'm challenging you from this point forward to do something. You ought to bring your Bible to church. Or if you have a digital Bible, bring a journal to church or a notepad. And ready for this? This is going to transform your life. By most conservative estimates, there are more than 3,000 promises in the scripture. It's a lot of promises. By virtue of what Jesus said, he accomplished every one of those promises on the cross, and they apply to us. Right? So catch this. A lot of promises found in the word of God, and I have access to them. Hmm. One of the primary reasons we don't pray through is because we run out of things to say. Can I get a witness, somebody? Any honest people in here? I know there's times I've been praying, I'm kind of like, God, I, I don't know if I got anything else to say. I prayed for everybody I can think of. Prayed for people in the church, prayed for missionaries, prayed for friends, I prayed for people I don't like, prayed for all people. Prayed for people in my job, just prayed, you know, God touched this person, bless that person, help this person, do that person. And after a while, sometimes you just run out of stuff to say. Can I get a witness? Amy? Any honest folks in the house of God? It's not that we don't want to pray. We just run out of things to say. Can't ever get a witness from an honest person in here, right? So the question is this. One of the reasons we don't pray through is because we run out of things to say. Our lack of persistence is really a lack of conversation pieces. Hmm. How many of you would pray more if you had more stuff that you could say? A lot of us, right? So watch this. This is why you've got to understand this today. Because next week we're going to put this into application. It's when we run out of things to say, it's like an awkward conversation, right? You ever been in a conversation with somebody and it just kind of trails off? And you don't know what else to say? You're like, okay, well, uh, good chat. Talk to you later, right? Check, please, right? Anybody ever been there? Yeah, can I get a witness? Have you ever been on an awkward date and you're like, so, I don't know where else to go from here, right? No? You got anything else? Not really. You? Okay. Great meeting you. Have fun, right? You know? Right? Hello? Right? I'll stay on my notes and not go down that fun path. Because, you know, I got a lot of fun with that one. But, okay, let's stay focused here. Boy, stay disciplined. Stay disciplined. Here we go. Stay on your notes. Stay on your notes. Stay on your it's like an awkward conversation where you don't know what to say. Or like a conversation that's on this last leg where we run out of things to talk about. Watch this. That's when our prayers often turn into a bunch of overused and misapplied cliches. And that's where people start to pray and say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Sometimes they start singing like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, singing a favorite song. I know that beat. What is that? Mary had a little lamb to Jesus. What's going on here? Right? Anybody ever heard those things? Right? And people just get into that. Well, why is that? That's because when we run out of things to say, we just go back to our normal. So instead of praying hard about a big dream, we're left with small talk. And our prayers 
are as meaningless as a conversation about the weather. And so the solution, pray through the Bible. Pray through your Bible. This is an idea that I read in The Circle Maker years and years ago. It's a great book by Mark Batterson. And in that book, he talked about praying through the promises of God. And when we start to pray through the promises of God, that's when we'll find a solution. That's why I said bring your Bible to church. When you bring your Bible to church, look up the scriptures that pastor says, like 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, and highlight that, and underline it, and circle it, and write it in the margin, and you should say, pray this. And if there's over 3,000 promises in the Bible, then what we do is we begin to pray through the word of God. The Bible is not just a, a promise book, it's a prayer book. It's an opportunity to be proactive in reading the Bible. Start to say, God, I, I see in your word right here in the margin, it says, pray this. Lord, you answered this prayer for Jabez where he said, bless me indeed, enlarge my territory. I'm going to pray that in my life. God, bless me indeed, enlarge my territory. Why? Because we know God is not a respecter of people, but he is a respecter of principles. Therefore, I want to pray the promises. If the prayer worked for them, hello, somebody, why would we not pray that in our life so that's why when we say that you should write these things down circle that you should be fervently writing these notes and you will be amazed that when we sit there and we say I don't know what to pray open your Bible and start to find it where it said pray this and you say God you said this in your Bible boom God you said this in the sermon you should write down the scriptures that pastors say why there are promises that you can pray you can change your prayer life when you start to pray promises when you start to say, God, you said in your word, that's how your prayer is going to transform. That's how things are going to move to a whole new level. So the question is, is, is let me tie this up. Brother Mike, you can come. We, we ask possibly, uh, what if Elisha would have quit praying after the sixth time? What happened if, if Elisha sent the servant five times? He said, well, God, I prayed five times. Perhaps the obvious may be answered, is, is obvious to you. Uh, perhaps the obvious answer is that it would have defaulted on the promise of God and probably forfeited the miracle of God. But Elisha prayed through. And because he prayed through, God came through. And we understand that the, the, the sky turned black and he hears the sound. And he says, after three years of no rain, finally my answer is come. Today it's easy to give up on dreams and it's easy to give up on miracles and it's easy to give up on the promises of God because if you lose heart or we lose patience or we lose faith it's like a slow leak that it often happens without us even knowing it until our prayer life gets flat how do we hold that we don't pray the problem we pray the promise and we have to pray by putting our prayers to God. we got to put our prayers in the air. That's what's in our prayer. What's in our prayer, it's got to be the promise, not the problem. God knows the problem. It's got to be our promise. Let's all stand. The reason that many of us give up too soon is because we feel like we have failed if God doesn't answer our promise right there. That isn't failure. Listen to me today. The only way we fail is when we stop praying. No prayer. And, and I, I've got good news for you today. Can I just share this too? This isn't my notes. I'm going to throw this in there. Prayers don't expire. They don't have a shelf life. Stuff has shelf lives. Stuff falls apart. Right? It doesn't matter what it is. It, it'll, it'll fall apart. Right? Uh, sometimes when you open that thing, you're like, woof. 
The other day, my wife said to me, she's in here, so I'm going to tell this and get in trouble. Um, I'm going to go down anyways, right? She comes to me and she says, this milk smells bad. Smell this milk. She said, the date says it's still good till tomorrow. And I said, I don't want to smell that. If it smells bad, throw that mug away. I trust you. I don't need to verify that mug. And go, whoo, glory up. By my smellometer, that thing's on 10, but we can, we, we can keep it. No, we threw that mug away, right? Things have shelf lives. Things fail. Things, things fall apart. Prayers don't fail. Prayers don't have shelf lives. Prayers last forever. God understands our prayers. God understands the promises and the covenants that we have. The only way to fail is if we stop praying. Even after three years of a drought, even after a severe bout with depression, Elisha believed that God could send the rain, even then. I heard my pastor quote the old adage, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's an old church quote for some of you. Some of you are quoting that with me. And I believe that God said it. I want to find that in his word. And I want to be able to open that up in my Bible and say, God, I want to pray that prayer there. If you have a digital Bible, get a prayer journal. I started a prayer journal this year. It's great to be able to go through some previous pages of a few weeks of prayers ago and say, oh yeah, God, I'm still praying this, still believing for this. Get a notebook that you can bring to church and not just take notes on the sermon, but take notes on, God, I want to add that to my prayer. It's difficult to predict what and when and where and how, but over time, the promises of God will become your promises. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to think for a second on your prayers. God, what do I need you to do in my life? For Lord, I want to pray your promises today. Trust in the Lord. I want to pray, God, order my steps. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. God, order my steps. A promise that I prayed over and over that's in my heart is the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of him and he shall receive it. Some of those powerful prayers, when I look through my Bible, that's marked up and highlighted over and over. When I begin to pray, I said, oh yeah, oh, it says right here in bold letters, pray this. God, you said in this prayer, Lord, that I can have that victory. I can do these things. We want to transform. It's not a lack of persistence. It's a lack of conversation. How do, we, how do we overcome that? God, I pray the promises that you've given me. For I quote again 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, where Paul gives that beautiful insight into his church, into the church of Corinth, when he says to them that, hey, the promises of God, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. When you say amen, that means let it be so. Let it happen. That's a prayer. 
amen is the answer to a prayer. That's an exclamation point on a prayer. Amen, God, let that happen in my life. Let it be so to me. Today, I wonder right now, what do you need God to do in your life? If you could pray a big, bold prayer this morning, if you need God to do something for you, today is the day to ask some prayers of God. I wonder if everybody in this place would come down to the front and begin to take a few moments and find a place that you could pray with God. And it may be an Elisha prayer that says, God, I want to pray, but I want you to find a moment where you can just talk to God and say, God, I need something for you. And God, I don't know how to pray. I may not know how to lift my voice, but I'm here today to tell you that if you need something from God, God will begin to answer your prayer. God will begin to do that. When we pray the promises of God, God, you said in your word, God, God, you said in your word, God, let it happen. God, you said, Lord, let this happen. I wonder if right now, God, you said you'd be a peace, God. God, you said you'd be a brother, God. That's you still a friend closer than a brother. God, I pray in the name of Jesus right now. That, Lord, you would touch us, God. What prayers do you need God to answer? For some of you, it's in your Bible. For some of you, it's in your prayer notebook. But, God, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, God, that you would help us. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would help us to overcome. God, I want to listen to what you have for me. I want to, God, hear your words. I want to hear this, God. My prayers don't expire. My prayers, God, go on. My prayers, God, are forever. That God, my prayers will impact my kids and my kids' kids. And for generations, God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that, Lord, the things I settle today, God, I trust in you. I commit my way to you. I trust in you, and you will act as what you said in Psalms 37. God, you said delight yourself in the Lord, and you'll give you the desires of your heart. God, you said be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him, and fret not for yourself for the one who prospers in his way, or the man who decries evil. But God, I trust in you today. I pray your promises. I pray, God, what you're going to do. I pray, God, that you're going to bless them. Enlarge their territory. Keep them from evil. Keep them, oh God. Let them be more honorable than their brethren. In the name of Jesus, God. Lord, keep us. Protect us. Help us, God. Anoint us, God. Sanctify us, God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we worship you right now. Yes, God. Hallelujah. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I wonder if you would begin to ask God, God, let me be right before you. God, hear my prayers today. Hear my cries today. Hear my prayers, God. Hearken unto my voice, God. Lord, you said you'll hear my prayer and you'll answer it. God, my friend's lost. My kids are lost, God. God, help that person that's backslidden. Help that person, God, that's the prodigal. Help that person, God, that's lukewarm. Help that person, God, who's struggling. Help that person who's in temptation. Help that person who's in addiction. Help that person, God, whose marriage is on the rocks. Help that person, God, who's lost hope. Help that person who's lost faith. In the name of Jesus, right now, God, help us, Lord. Oh, yes, God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God. Hallelujah, Lord. 
I wonder if you just lift your voice and talk to the Lord right now. Just begin to quote the word. Say, God, help me with the words. He's a friend that wants to hear it. God, you've given me the promise. I declare it. I apply it to my situation. Lord God, I apply it in the name of Jesus, God. I declare it for what I'm facing right now. That, God, you are my provider. You are my redeemer, God. Lord, you are my savior, Lord. God, you are my deliverer, God. You are my refuge, God, and my strength. You are my rock and my foundation, God. Lord God, I declare it in the name of Jesus right now that, God, you would, Lord, begin to touch us today. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, I want to declare that in my life, God, that, Lord, you'll heal the brokenhearted. You'll set the captives free. God, you'll bring deliverance in the name of Jesus, God. Lord God, heal my heart. Heal my pain. Heal my sorrow. Heal, God, the wounds, God. Heal the betrayal, God. Heal the anger, God. Give me peace that passes understanding, God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, for I trust in you. For God, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God. For Lord God, you are faithful. In the name of Jesus, we thank you right now.